Charles screams echo around the world. Carlos Sainz takes back Ferrari's strategy from the car. And there are two Mercedes on the podium. Whoa. What is this, 2021? G'day there. My name is James Baldwin, and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we're reviewing the French Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friend and yours, TJC, Thomas J. Camp. Hello, mate. The How man are you? himself. I'm well. How are you? Good. It's, it's just me and you lately. I like it. Uh, Tommy's, we, where's he gone? He's, he's literally next door. I don't know. He's a dud. He doesn't <laughs> like you anymore. He doesn't. He's he's filed all of you in the bin. Um, that's his new segment. Is how can I put all of the audience in the he's bin? He's the hardest working man in coffee. So that's a big yeah. And, okay, uh, sure. It's a big call, but we'll go for it. Mm-hmm. In fact, if we take a video, in fact, I'll walk around after this with a video on socials and just see how much work he's doing. G'day, Pav. Pav, welcome to the conversation. Uh, <laughs> So, we are a dog-friendly podcast, to be fair, uh, Pav Doe. You might hear Pav a little bit later. This is this is just the joy of where we're recording. Uh, Campy, French Grand Prix, uh, a mesmerizing, not in a good way, but a mesmerizing <laughs> event, uh, mainly for all the different coloured lines on the screen. It wasn't exactly the, the interesting race I was hoping for, but what are your overall thoughts of the weekend? Well, I think I put on Discord that... Uh Look, the French get it wrong at every charge, but eventually <laughs> history would prove they get on the right side of it and uh, pull it together. And I actually thought this race wasn't too bad last night. Um, that battle between uh, Verstappen and Leclerc for the first, you know, 20-odd laps or so, that was brilliant before that first pit stop. And uh, I, I think we were really poised for a cracking race between those two. You could see what Red Bull was doing. They were just pressuring and pressuring Ferrari to use their tyres. And I think Max had the pace from the from point one, but he was just waiting for the race to come into him, to come to him. And I think it's the first time we've seen it. He's one of those guys that really makes decisive moves really quickly. But he seemed to play the long game last night. But uh, oh, I, was, I think it, it, it didn't end the way I wanted it to, but uh, it was certainly a terrific watch. Yeah, it's... Uh not as exciting as I thought as last year's race with the Verstappen Hamilton yeah. overtake in yeah. the second last lap. Uh, again, an additionally hard race to watch from a Daniel Ricciardo fan point of view, although it's getting better. McLaren are slightly getting better. Um, well, this is a slightly new segment I've decided. Uh, this is uh, Campy Bot's Discord comment Dude. of the race. Of the uh, race. This is this is campy. What is in, the campy bot? Explain See, it to me, Jim. No, you have Not to join. Not even I know what it is. You have to join Discord, our Discord server, to find out who Campy Bot is. Uh, make sure you do that. You can join the the link to that is in the description below. Um, this the comment of the race though comes from Matty J. Uh, Russell v Perez is the Aldi version of Hamilton versus Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> which is, uh, very good. Which is very good. You know what Aldi uh, is? So it's there like you go, Matty the, uh, J. What's Aldi? It's like the cheap supermarket. Yeah. What's Aldi? I've never been. Oh. I pay these people to pack my bags. That's why I don't oh, freaking go there. The content writes itself here for the stings that I need later. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, look, well, that's 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 that. Um, look, join our, our Discord server. Engage with us over there. Um, you'll find at least one of us on there during during a race weekend. Yeah. Um, but Cappy, before we get into talking about the race itself, a team by team analysis, before we talk about the flyover that didn't exist and the anthem, which was a bit average. Um, it's a French anthem. I was going to suck. <laughs> the, Surprised uh, they finished it. We've got a bit of an update for Lakeside Drive we as do. a whole. Uh, basically, you want more content, right? Well, you're going to get, get it. it. 
<laughs> end end update. No, it's uh, it's a great thing. Uh, so what's going to happen is we're going to go on a little bit of a break after the next race review, which is Hungarian Grand Prix next Monday. We're going to go in for a, a couple of weeks break, and then. The week before Spa, so the 22nd of August, uh, or so the Monday, the, the sorry, Tuesday, the 23rd of August, you will get our first episode. That will be the race preview with Tommy T, Campy, me, sitting in a studio somewhere in the beautiful north of Melbourne. The second you will get is Freya's Free Practice Fridays, which will come out Friday, funnily enough, for all of us to listen to. Uh, and that'll be focused on the news and events of the week and the press conferences uh, that go on on the Thursday. And then Campy's Corner, Campy's Qualifying Corner, Campy's Who's in the Bin Corner. Yeah. There's many things you can insert in the middle of Campy's Corner, which will come out straight after qualifying uh, for Australia. That'll be probably Sunday morning. Yep. Very else in the world will be the times you know. But there'll be three different podcasts that we're producing each week the whole way through. Yep, and on an off week, we're just doing the one weekly podcast, which will be a team radio or something as well. Is that right? We'll do it. We're doing three. Cool. Every, every week. week. Three podcasts every week. Uh, it'll, oh, be a, it'll be a – look, he doesn't – we're just – we're uh, working on, on as we're going along. Uh, but it's going to be a slightly shorter format. So race reviews, previews will be around um, 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, Friar and Campus episodes will be around or just under half an hour. So yeah. just gives us a little bit more time to talk about everything else that's going on in the world of Formula 1. Um, and if you dislike – Freya or you dislike Campy or hey, you love to Tommy dislike? T, uh, you can pick and choose the podcast you want to listen to. So there's that. Uh, but also we're going to do a little bit more in the video space as well. Uh, we are looking for a freelance video editor. If you are one of those, you'd like to help support the show, uh, get in touch. Uh, hello at lakesidedrive.com.au. Um, there'll be dollars in, involved as well, but support the show in terms of helping us make some kick-ass content. Uh, that'd be great. So there you go. There's a little bit of an update for you all. Uh, we've been sort of working on that for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're very glad that that's all coming together. So looking forward to that first episode, which will be a video podcast properly in a studio as well as a audio podcast being released on the 23rd of August, which will be exciting. Um, and one of those segments that I'm going to update, which I want to talk about now is Campy's bin. Uh, there's going to be a good sting designed for that. And oh, I want yeah. to know, Campy, who's currently in the bin? Just Gasly. Like just oh, yeah. Gasly. Okay. And but who's in the bin before this week? So Gasly I've written oh. down Gasly, McLaren, and Lance Stroll. Yeah, McLaren's in it. The Stroll's whole, in it. All of McLaren. I took Massey out because I felt sorry for him. <laughs> and we want to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Eh? Uh, <laughs> That's uh, how it works. Who else was in there? There was someone else in there at the start. The but, French. Yeah, the French are all. Uh, yeah, good. I mean, look, look, now nah, French. <laughs> oh, I actually like them. They're good. They're good. Okay, so just, it's easy to rag on the French because so World War Two. If you don't get it, there are um, good. There are the they are the people who are in Campy's bin currently. But yeah. who's in your, who's in your bin specifically from this week? Ah, uh, Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Oh dear lord, what is going on with that team? I said I said right at the end of our last podcast, they've arrived. They're in the top two car. They're fighting for a world championship. We need to change the parameters in which you're looking at them. And what do they do? Like it was almost <laughs> prophesied from my mouth. <laughs> they shit the bed so badly. Carlos Sainz on the podium and decided to pit him with 10 laps to go. And he made up what? Like a handful of places. Like two plate. Like when they pitted him from third, he went back to seventh behind Norris. He was, he was I believe. behind DR. Oh, Mind-bogglingly stupid, and he clawed his way back to 
fifth, and yeah. he was behind Russell and Perez by about 16 seconds. Even if his tyres were going to wear out and he was going to go at the end of the race, why on earth would you throw that away? Uh, mind-bogglingly stupid. Yeah. Well, as I said at the top, it seemed that uh, Carlos Sainz had to take back Ferrari's oh. strategy again to the car. He did that so many times oh. last year. Uh, it just seems to be rubbish. I know, look, there was a delayed radio message where Crofty's like, what are, why are they saying this to him while he's battling Perez? That wasn't when it happened. It was a good sort of 30 seconds prior to that point. But it was still quite stupid, I think, for that, where he's he's saying one thing, they're saying the other, and then they change their minds even after something else has happened. I just feel like that is incredibly Ferrari of Ferrari. Oh, they haven't done it in a while. But, hey, first week, jeez. Do you know what they're very good at doing? Abs- not finishing both cars in a Grand Prix. Absolutely. Because well, if cost it's not Carlos, it's it's Charles suffering from something, a mistake or an error. I don't think the car is as good as the Red Bull in a, in a season-long championship. Mm. But, I mean, how's Charles? What, uh, we'll talk about the drives when we get there. Yeah. Let's so in the bin, Ferrari, Ferrari, and, and Pierre Bernardo. Gasly, and well, I mean, he's part of the Ferrari thing. So well, Ferrari, Bernardo. Pierre Gasly in the bin. Uh, that's who's currently in Campy's bin. You probably find McLaren and Lance Stroll glued to the bottom of it as well. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, qualifying. Was there much in the way that surprised you for this weekend? To be completely one hundred percent transparent with you, I watched Q two. Danny Rick didn't make it in, and I didn't watch Stop the rest. Mm. So I don't even know what happened to Science. Why didn't he set a time? No, well, he well he didn't he didn't need to because oh, new engine take, passed the right, same with K Mag, so he did to get ahead of K Mag. Uh, but that was he started nineteenth K Mag. So I thought he only had a ten place grid penalty anyway. It's right at the very. I mean, it's a, basically built the whole bloody new car. Go, especially go after so he took Austria. Think about the the um, flame situation. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So go went out. four out of three right. uh, allowed parts. Um, yeah, interesting that I think Charles seeing Charles Leclerc being as strong as he is around here. It feels like he's not consistently the fastest at the moment. Can be a little bit track specific, but when he's on, mate, Charles is on. He out-qualified Verstappen and Perez, then came Hamilton, Norris, which we could talk a little bit about McLaren a little bit, yep. uh, ahead of Russell, which was a great, it's a great qualifying by Lando. The upgrades of that McLaren clearly working for him, not for DR. Sonoda, Sainz and, and Magnussen qualified ninth and 10th, but because of their grid penalties, Ricardo then promoted to ninth. Um, Ocon, so, and, and DR out-qualified Ocon, which is not a bad thing, talking in the oh. Alpine-McLaren fight that's going yep. on right now. Um, Bottas, Interesting with Alfa Romeo. Bottas uh, and Joe didn't qualify well at all. Bottas nope. 13th, Joe um, 18th. Seb Vettel, then Alex Albon on 15th. Pierre Gasly, Lance Stroll, Joe, Mick Schumacher, and Latifi. Kind of the qualifying order to me feels very last season. Like in terms of the yeah. way mixing everything else is, is towards each other. Um, it's a shame that Mick Schumacher got knocked out. So early on in in Q one, I mean tra- track track limits limits on a track like this where every second corner everyone's whole cars off the corner. Mm. Like, that's the thing. How did we get this so right at Austria, and then go to France where it's an open circuit and there's you could basically drive anywhere on the track and it not be track like not get pinged for it. They get pulled up. It's just mind-bogglingly stupid again. Yeah, but it wasn't like the the. I think he should have been rewarded where he put in turn three. That's inside corner next to Bollard. The fact that he fit his seventeen meter wide pass in that between the white line where that Bollard is should be applauded. Not yeah, yeah. I can can see why they deleted. Oh sure, but it's not. I mean, 
uh, anyway, I mean, the track limit is a track limit. We've been yep. saying that for ages, but it was disappointing because Haas with still no upgrades, still looking pretty solid. Yep. Kevin Magnussen just getting all of this amazing pace out of it. So it was an interesting qualifying in that it wasn't interesting. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous <laughs> to say. Kinky porpoising anyone? Uh, well, let's, let's go through our team-by-team analysis. Uh, but before we do that, National anthem, no fly past, green jumpsuit, very traditional. People like singing the Brisbane Lions theme song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that green jumpsuit was horrid, wasn't it? It's an interesting uh, colour. I looked at my mate that I watched it with and just went, really? Is that, that what's Campy's fashion what, advice, by the way, is a new segment coming to Lakeside Drive. That's what you chose too. to wear when this broadcast is going out. Now, how many hundreds of millions of people throughout? You the- can find where anyway, to buy the best look- beanies, um, which is the same beanie, but only. Only in olive green. Occasionally, well, occasionally you can find a brand new one. Anyway, by look, your dad, look, who hands one to look, you. We'll give. I'm a sucker for an anthem, but the French anthem just doesn't do it for me. Out of, give me a score out of ten, oh, Campy. Give it a five. Five out of ten. Half marks for the French. Uh, all right, team by team analysis. We're starting at the very back. Unfortunately, it's Haas. Kevin Magnussen, DNF. Uh, Mick Schumacher, fifteenth. Not exactly what I would have said. It was indicative pace of them this weekend. Again, the qualifying was strong. K-Mag, although starting right at the very back of the pack, he jumps like seven places in the first five corners. Yeah. Incredible performance by him. He's very clearly comfortable enough with his car. Of course, as I said, no major upgrades brought at all this year. I think uh, Gunter Steiner said they were looking at bringing it for Hungary, so next weekend. Um, But really for them... Oh, real shame, their race strategy. They had Gunther on the the live broadcast at one stage and... um, they just said, we got pace. Let's get them in clear air so we can see if we can jump these guys. And uh, unfortunately, uh, due to the safety car coming out, it just ruined their strategy. And, uh, and they just got stuck at the back. And you get stuck with these backmarking cars and things happen. I mean, Mick had a tussle with uh, – who did he spin out with later on in the race? Uh, I can't remember. And I think he had an issue. With, no, that was Ocon and Sonoda at the start. Uh, look, a real just shame for them because they. Oh, you're talking talk about Joe and Mick. Yeah, Joe and Mick. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Mick. Ha- but they're the things that happen when you're crawling from the back when they got strategy wrong. I liked, I liked the strategy from Gunther. Hey, let's commit to this two stop because we don't know how it's going to work. Um, I think that the the lengthening of the uh, pitch straight this weekend made it five or six seconds slower than slower down the pit than what it did last year, which enabled that a really one-stop strategy to come to play. But uh, I like it. I like, they've got to try things. And they were looking they at do. their first ever genuinely, you know, two cars in the points for a long time. And I think that says a lot about Mick Schumacher in the last three to four races. I think Magnussen has had the better of him throughout this first half of the year. But Mick's had some quality performances starting in Austria really mm. and from then he's found, he's got something between the teeth and he's found something in that car and it's like he's just pushed to that next level and we're seeing the fruition of it which is good to see because we know I've said before Magnussen is bona fide he jumped in on debut and got a podium with McLaren Mick Schumacher for him is a good measuring stick yeah and if Mick can do it against Magnussen he'll be able to do it against 80% of the rest of the grid and uh, yeah it was excellent to see shame for them last night but hey as an org it's way better than the last couple of years has been so it looks like they're really taking good steps forward and look no upgrades as I keep saying but everything else seems to be working 
Gunter seems to have settled the team down. They like the mechanics are happy. They understand yeah. what each other wants in terms of how they work with each other. Yeah, okay. Mick's getting a little like, yo, get K Mag out of the way. I'm faster than him, which he did last weekend. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Uh, it's good to be having these kinds of points now in your second season in Formula One. Um, but again, Mick and K Mag are not direct competitors. Whilst they're teammates, K Mag had left Formula One. His Formula yeah. One career was done up yeah. until the beginning of this year. Yeah. Um, in fact, he was still racing for Chip Ganassi when he got asked. So the the fact that K-Mag is back, that's a good thing for him. He's happy that he's there. And I think from a legacy point of view, he'll be wanting to help Haas absolutely get further ahead um, and Mick in that seat too. Because let's not forget, when it comes to Ferrari junior drivers, of which Mick is one of them yep. and is touted to be, you know, who that next a Ferrari driver, yep. where does Carlos and where does Charles go? They're not exactly old. There's a long time to to wait potentially for Mick Schumacher. Mercedes have strong ties to Schumacher as well, so anything can happen. My point is though, at from some, a Ferrari yeah, Junior point of yeah. view, at the moment there's a lot of space for him to go. So getting yeah. together with Haas and making them as as good as they can possibly be uh, is, is obviously a good uh, thing for I him. Mean, look term. at look at the history. Look at Yuki's second year in the sport last. Or, sorry, this year. He's on par with Gasly. Good on him. So it should be. Give these guys a bit of time in the car mm. over not just one season, but put them up against a decent driver and they'll learn a hell of a lot more than what he did last year. Mick had a ceiling last year because of his poor teammate. Yep. This year it's been raised because the teammate's pushing him and beating him. And, uh, oh, man, how would you feel being a mechanic for that team? For the, I wouldn't the feel. garbage they've put up with for the last three seasons. An absolute heartbreak. It must have been hard to fix some of those cars again because mm. Mazaspin's put in the wall and Mick, dude, put in the wall plenty. Imagine now you're getting to the point where all their hard work is actually paying off. They get to a race win. They, they're genuinely points contenders at every race now. They've just got to put it together. As a mechanic and a person working in that team environment, um, you'd be all uh, – as the tide rises, everyone's you know everyone's emotions and competitiveness gets up, and there's a joy in the place. I'd be happy to be there, and the results will come. So it's good. Yeah, and it's going through at the top, we love him. It's good for us. Uh, Alpha Romeo, Valtteri Bottas, 14th. Joe having a DNF. Uh, yeah. Interesting for Alpha Romeo because they had some initial early season pace. Yeah, that Ferrari power unit. Uh, VB got some great performances. Joe got some great performances under his belt yeah. as well. But now just not quite together, potentially a little bit str- track-specific. I mean, look, yeah. in this instance, they, on on points, out, well, not on points, but on um, position, out-qualified Haas, but Haas, for me, were faster over the race weekend yeah. than Alfa Romeo. Yeah. What, does, what does Valtteri Bottas do here? I mean, he's obviously well outside of having the two Mercedes on a podium like we experienced this weekend um, for his own career. He's not really expecting a race win again, is he, do you think? Or maybe do you think he can bring Alfa Romeo back to life and Sauber with his Mercedes knowledge for the last couple of years? Uh, I think I think the engine componentry is when you're – I think the engines are just too hard. Mm. Like, there's five teams you want to be in in Formula 1 and they are the four works teams and a McLaren. We haven't seen Williams do what they've done in yesteryear. So they're the five teams you want to be in. I'd almost take McLaren out of that because they're not a works team. They're an independent team, function on its own, but they're still getting supplied by somebody else. So, you know, five or four teams you want to be in. Of the rest of the teams, Valtteri Bottas is by far 
the number one driver yep. for the that represents those other five teams. And you could say Vettel is in there too, but um, they, he's he's the best of the rest. Will he get another shot in another championship winning car? I don't think so. And it's a shame. I'd like him to because, I mean, how's that? Imagine getting to the end of your career and said, I had five chances or four chances and I was up against the greatest of all time results-wise in a pretty dominating period. I mean, we know what the guy's a super capable driver. I put him in that, you know, that top echelon of, you know, in the top five drivers on the grid. But unfortunately, he just doesn't have the car. I don't think he'll get there again. But he wants to race and he'll be there for as long as probably Kimi Rockman. Yeah. He's probably got another four years in the team, realistically, if he wants it. Yeah. Well, look, we all love VB here. Joe, unfortunate with the spin around with yep. Nick Schumacher and a couple of things that he ended up having a DNF as well. <laughs> Juvenile by Joe, that Mick gave him so much space around the outside, and he, I know the back end stepped out and he went into it, but it was just, it was a rookie error. It was, it was exactly the way you explain it. But he's a rookie, so maybe we can forgive it in in that instance. That's true. Williams, uh, Latifi DNF, hardly saw anything of Latifi on the coverage, couldn't tell you what happened to him at all, apart from him being the goat, of course. Um, and Alex Albon in 13th, uh, the upgrades this Williams. Not necessarily uh, going maybe as well as they were hoping. I mean, everyone else is bringing upgrades too, right? So if you're bringing something that's worth, you know, seven tenths, for example, realistically you need to bring something that's worth 10, 15, 20 to, you know, frog jump everyone else that's doing the same thing. Um, But for Albon, though, he's still performing, I think, as well as he can given the equipment. Jos Capito would probably have wanted him a little bit further up the grid than this, but... The upgrades, very Red Bull, and we'll talk about this in a second as well, but McLaren starting to get some side pods that are looking a little bit Red Bull. And as I said to you on a text message, in four, sorry, in two years' time, all of the cars are going to look the same again like we yep. had at the end yep. of uh, the last set of regulations. Well, what's the Aston going to look like? <laughs> um, it's gonna, who knows if it's going to be an Aston by that point. Uh, yeah, but Williams, it's, it's kind of a shame because I was hoping a lot more for them. Um, in terms of being able to get up there. Of course, at the end of last year, don't forget that the, the way that everything worked out, if you were right in the very back of the pack when it came to results, you got more time in a wind tunnel yeah. to design the car. Clearly so they didn't use that properly. They didn't, uh, which is disappointing, <laughs> especially because they're updating their car halfway through the season. Uh, but it seems though they, they need to, they need something, they need some kind of magic I don't know, solution person. I kind of thought Yost Capito would be that kind of person. But in saying that, and to be fair to Yost, Zach Brown, when he took over from McLaren, I mean, McLaren was shocking. Yeah. Way down the very back. I mean, yeah. think about Paul Stoffel van Dorn, who, F2 champion, really good, phenomenal driver, wrong place, wrong time against a teammate in Fernando Alonso in really, really terrible equipment, um, was never, ever able to to show his true potential in Formula One. Yeah. Happens often, unfortunately. <laughs> Excuse me, but looking at then... What Williams are doing, do you think they're on the same trajectory as McLaren? In that, really, Yost's only had the team for a year and he's turning things around. Alex Albon's there, potentially Oscar Piastri's there next year. Yep. Are, they, are they making those sort of similar kind of timeline steps, do you think, to McLaren in, in two or three oh. years' time? Do you think we'll see them up around that oh, fourth position? I look, you could be right. I really don't follow Williams enough, mm. other than I think the Mercedes engines probably hurt them this year. I think if they had. This year's chassis in last 
in last year's series yes, yes. with that Mercedes engine. I think they're probably doing the things that the Haases and the Alpha Terries were doing this year. That's what I expected. But it's tough with that Mercedes engine and uh, straight line speed. It's, it's huge for a team like that. Anyway, I don't watch a lot of them. Well, Albon's, to be fair, we don't. We can't. No, we, uh, we don't. no one shows us. The TV director doesn't show us it's, anyone. It's funny watching practices. Sometimes they have these stonking laps in practices and they're P6 and 7. It's like, geez, they got some pace, but it's never representative no. of what they're trying to do. I mean, you can follow practices and you can generally understand that P1 is for, you know, race pace, long race, high fuel loads. P2 is they're setting up the car and finding the balance between the medium fuels and the, the then they're trying to find a setup for qualifying. P3 is all about generally they've done their fuel loads, they know what tyre strategies are doing, then setting the car up for qualifying but then bringing it back so that it's good for races too. That I can never follow what Williams is trying to do. It's like they do everything backwards. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, anyway, but we don't see enough of them on TV. No. we And look, I mean, we want to see them back towards the front, you know, in the yeah. similar way that McLaren and Ferrari have also struggled over the years as well. I mean, Ferrari obviously not to the extreme, but yep. certainly McLaren. Um, so it'd be good to see what happens in that respect. And if the, if the upgrades are looking good for this year, uh, Potentially, we might see a good result then for Oscar yeah. if he ends up in that Williams for next year um, alongside Alex Albon, which probably seems like the most likely thing, or does it? Alpha Tauri, Pierre Gasly, 12th in his home Grand Prix. Yuki Sonoda had a DNF. Yeah. Another another not so good weekend for Yuki. I mean, he, performance-wise, he's kind of up there. The Alpha oh. Tauri's brought some upgrades as well, Campy, for this weekend. Where did which Where did Yuki qualify? Which meant that they were a little bit faster. Yuki was eighth. Yeah, exactly. Out, uh, and Gasly is 16th, so out-qualified Pierre Gasly. There you go. A long way. That's happened a number of times this year. Again, I don't watch them religiously like I'm following. Like I follow Danny Rick in the race, mm. and I always know where he's at and what's mm. happening, blah, blah. But then again, some of these teams, like I just don't care about the kid. But Yuki, he's in the right positions at the moment. Look at what that Alpha Terry was doing last year and some of the results they were getting. For me, Yuki's got this got this this year he's found a pace on top of what he had last year mm. and it's starting to come out it's probably only come out in maybe four races so far this year particularly in qualifying where he just makes Gasly look second rate second rate's probably wrong but you know gets him by at three and a half four tenths which makes you stand up and notice but for you to be in those positions on lap one is uh says a lot about you know where where he has come from and where he's going, and I think probably he's probably solidifying his spot in the series for probably the next two or three years. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Be- because we haven't heard about that second Red Bull seat yet. Uh, we know Yuri Vips isn't going to be sitting in it, so I mean, it looks like I think what from did a, Yuri Vips do, Jim. He did no good things, uh, which. I don't even know what he did. It was no good. Uh, I just heard and I was like, whatever, I don't want to read this. Yeah, you got to, they've just got to sort themselves out. I don't know what, what they feel like behaving like that as F2, F3, F1 drivers is acceptable. But anyway, it's not the 90s anymore. You can't get away with it. You can't be James Hunt. Um, If you're looking at James Hunt as a role model, put yourself in the bin before you even start racing. It's it's not going to work. But yeah, there's no one else in it except for maybe Liam Lawson. yeah, but he's getting he's getting there in terms of age. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I hate that I'm saying that because I hate this whole young driver thing. But 
and you look at the rest of the grid and you look at these other young drivers, you've got Oscar Piastri, he's 22, sitting there waiting to go. He's the, and this is an interesting point. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's something that, well, I'm going to steal from Boxer Neutrals and Michael and I having this conversation about it, but I've never seen a driver who hasn't driven in the series at all. What are we and now? The 25th of July, Oscar hasn't raced since last year and his stocks are so high right now. Everyone's like, oh, Oscar Piastri. Yeah. Great driver. How do we know? Haven't seen him drive anything for ages. Yeah, okay, he's done a couple of Alpine tests. That's fine. But competitively, at least last year, Alex Albon was sent to DTM to do some competitive stuff. I'm just, I think it's great yeah. for Oscar, but it's just very interesting to see the fact that the guy hasn't been in a competitive series yeah. since Formula, winning Formula 2. Um, and you've got people like Jack Doohan coming through. and Jack Doohan is... What's Jack Doohan? He's not... He's... He is not Oscar Piastri. Oh, no. Oscar no way. is genuinely as good as anything we've seen come through yep. with results. I would put him up there. He's had better results than Max Verstappen did in his junior career. Mm. I think everybody knows that Oscar's going to be a bona fide superstar. And, I mean, the comparisons to the to the Alain Prosts, you know, Really easy on the car, drives it super smooth, and, you know, and he's 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 deceptively fast mm-hmm. on track. He some of those races last year on track it didn't look like he was so much quicker, and it didn't even in some of the races it didn't feel like he was dominating, but he's just deceptively destroyed that field. There's got to be something. We're not talking about Alpine yet, Sorry. but there's but there's got to be something in the fact that we have that they keep delaying his free practice showing. I wonder if he is just that much faster in the simulator than both Fernando <laughs> and Esteban, that would almost be embarrass- embarrassing to Alpine to say, well, this is how quick Oscar is compared to anyone else that we've got, but these guys have contracts. All right. Given that's true, war game, how okay. do we play this from an organisational role? Move Esteban to <laughs> the reserve driver's seat and stick Oscar in the actual seat. You got him contracted as a driver for – yeah next couple of years in my mind reserve driver still has driver in the title i think from from a point of view of performance fernando i mean the points would say that esteban has outperformed fernando but race pace wise looking at what's going Fernando's on dominated. dominated you look at him in the wet in canada oh my goodness Not that qualifying as, performance oh can like, i just say danny rick made ocon look like oh, sure a child driving sure. a go-kart yeah Fernando hasn't done that to Ocon. No, but I think he's been consistent. He has been consistent, but also, so the the point for me is, what is the long term strategy for Alpine? Yeah, it's 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 not Oscar Piastri, and it's it's not Esteban Ocon. Yeah, so it's Oscar Piastri. So how does Otmar Safnauer grow Oscar Piastri into a world champion with Alpine as a works team to get them to a well? out of what the options yeah. you've got, you uh, choose the driver who's been there and done that before and gone, yes, admittedly, to almost every single team in Formula 1 and yeah. then outside of Formula 1 in the back again. But Fernando has the experience. Fernando's got the contacts. He's he's bringing some pretty decent sponsorship as well, let's not forget. The only thing about Oscar is he doesn't have sponsorship. It's one of those, he's one of those odd drivers, you know, the George Russells who, you know, put a PowerPoint presentation together and go, well, look how fast I am. Oscar doesn't come from money. He's not coming from a racing family. His dad's got a really cool tuning company. Cool. But that's HP tuners. You've probably seen that on his overalls and his F2 and F3 car, but that's not enough to take it to the next level. 
Whereas Joe Guanyu, all these other drivers, Nick Latifi and Lavazza, all that sort of other stuff comes yeah. through. So war game wise, if I was out, if, I was, if I'm Otmar, I'd say, right, well, the, if the seats are all up in the air for next year, I'd be trying to negotiate Esteban Ocon to Williams and open that seat up and put Piastri there. You gotta, yes. you gotta invest in him right now. And considering Alpine's not a top, you know, three performing car, yeah. and they're working towards getting there, you gotta yeah. invest in the guy who's gonna create the car that's gonna be fast for you in two or three years time. The one chink in Alonso's armor, well, he's got a couple. It's public perception sometimes, and the way he plays, the he's been he's been bad blood. He's very quick to flick that switch in the team. Yes, bit of bad egg, but the one rap on him as a racer is that he's never been able to develop a car. Mm. Look at the Ferraris, mm, and that's the McLarens an point, when he was it? there, couldn't develop. Them. There is credence to the fact that when you know when when Alonso was with Ferrari. Um, he wanted Weber to, Weber to come across to Ferrari in 2012 and they offered him a contract. It never saw the light of day, but he wanted him because he knew Weber could do a car and could build a car. He'd done it with Red Bull. He'd, he'd done it with all the teams he'd been in and shown this real consistency. So with that hat on, I don't think Ocon can develop a car either, in my opinion. I, I just don't rate Ocon. After the year he had with Danny Rick for me, that's he's, it's how he got a contract the next year. No idea. It's mind-bogglingly dumb to me. Toto that he Wolf got it. is the answer. Anyway, look, I'd almost go with Piastri in a P1 slot for the next two races and drive both cars and make both of them look stupid. <laughs> And then it's a coin toss who you take moving forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting. Let's talk uh, then about Alpine. Alonso Alpine's got to give Piastri a car that's gonna gonna win him a world championship. Well, and that's it, right? And Renault's got form. Where where do they do? But where else do does Piastri right now? Look, he's an Alpine driver. He's which is a works team driver. Yep. There's no customer teams with Alpine. No Renault yep. engines in any other car. So it is this team. He's not going to go to McLaren because McLaren are Alpine's number one rival. They're not going to lend. Let's war game. Danny Rick gets replaced by, it was one of the rumors, gets replaced by Oscar, right? Why would McLaren, Why sorry, why would Alpine let McLaren have someone who could potentially yep. develop a car, who's incredibly quick, then help one of their main rivals <laughs> get faster? And, you know, maybe he'd be... Absolute crap compared to Lando, and we all are under heavily underrating Lando Norris. That potentially could be a thing too. But on on the what we know of Oscar, that would be silly. Send him to Williams, all right. But that's kind of like all right. Well, we're just going to put you in a car to keep you around for a year. That would mean Williams have two lone drivers in Alex Albon from Red Bull, yeah. and uh, also then Oscar from Alpine. But it still doesn't make sense because it's not like he's going to a team that can. He can learn something of how another organization who's actually doing a decent job is doing things to then bring back into the fold with Alpine. So for for my mind, the very minimal amount that it is worth in of an opinion here, <laughs> putting Esteban Ocon as a reserve driver or finding him another seat for next year is what Alp is what Otmar needs to do to make sure. Oscar can get in that car alongside Fernando. And look, it's Fernando for a year. And maybe that's the thing is Fernando, yeah. you get an extra year. Esteban, you're on the bench for a year. You've done it before. You can come back after that time. We're going to kick Fernando out. But 
Oscar, sponge off this guy. Yeah. Right, done. He'll Move be on. doing that. Already get it, but it different, I think, in a race-paced yeah. format. Uh, and then bring Esteban back, fine, whatever. But at the end of the day, this there's no announcement for Williams, even though it's like, oh, it's a done thing. Okay, classic F1 rumor mill kind of thing. Oh, McLaren, you know, Mark Webber's looking at McLaren because he's mates with Andrea Seidel. Okay, Porsche connection, fine, but there's no legitimacy to that. And also it would cost an absolute fortune for McLaren to pay out Danny Rick. Uh, and Diaz said that he's not leaving. He's made that statement. Yeah. Uh, so where else do you put him? He can't not race next year. He can't, it just, it, for Alpine, yeah. they can't not do that. So I think Alpine want their cake and they're trying to eat it too. Absolutely. They're by, trying to figure it out. By letting Oscar go to Williams because it's seen as a good place for a first year driver to go. Bollocks. Look at Lewis Hamilton, McLaren, David. Yep. You know, yes, there were things happened that season, but five for world championships. Yeah, exactly. I think you throw him in the car straight away. Show him some loyalty now. Don't put him off on loan because at some stage, at some stage, Oscar's going to go, you guys have promised me the world and not mm. delivered because you've wanted this guy and this guy and he's going to be on the open market ready for anyone for, to snap him up. And in two or three years' time, if the likes of George Russell hasn't performed, Carlos and Charles haven't performed, I mean, the lifespan of these guys' career in those top teams is only going to be four to five years max. In three years' time, they're going to be looking to who's coming up through. And Oscar, he's going to, he's going to be the one. I would hate to see those top guys in your Georges, your Landos, your Charles, these guys, to be in the top team for the next decade. That would just – for me, that's – that's dumb and shouldn't happen, but that's what happens when you take kids so young. Yeah, but I think I think Oscar, I think Oscar will rise. I mean, Red Bull and Max. I mean, they can keep Max for as long as they want. And yeah, do the thing. That guy could potential. He's the greatest driver of our generation. He's the next Alonso coming through, and or Hamilton, whoever you prefer. But mm. yeah, it's going to be an interesting. Well, Let's talk about Alpine in the race, should we? Yeah, so and Alonso finishing in six and, and Ocon finishing in eight. Uh, Ocon, I think, took Daniel twice in the race, which was disappointing to see, um, but not really surprising then. Uh, Fernando really scrapping towards the front. That, for those first couple of laps, he was, he was keeping tabs, oh, yeah. but you can see the power disparity with this Renault power unit compared especially to the Red Bull. It's like eight or nine t- yep. kilometers an hour faster than the Ferrari, and the Ferrari is faster again, and the Mercedes yep. it's faster or on par with Alpine. Um, they need to work this out, Alpine, because it feels like they're having to shed some downforce because of the power unit discrepancies between those, well, between Honda or yep. Red Bull powertrains. And I'm sure they're working on that, which which will obviously help it out. But as a package, though, sixth and eighth, okay, not bad. McLaren seventh and ninth. Okay, so you know, car for yep. car, they're ahead again. Alpine. Um, do you think though that they're in the same trajectory? Talking about developing a car, we can kind of build, build this back into DR and McLaren as well. Building a car, the car last year, which was his DR's first year at McLaren for Alpine, again looked like a beluga, but performed pretty well considering it was there. Had some had yeah. some pace, had some consistency, but of course Daniel would have been taken off the development off of it pretty quickly because he announced that he was going to McLaren before the season even started, yeah. right? Yeah. So for that kind of thing to to work, I think is really 
interesting. But develop, let's talk about developing a car. So Fernando, you don't think well, I'm he's, not historically he doesn't, but that's the chink in his. That's the reputation that he's had. Yeah. Okay. So fair enough. So Alpine then sixth and eighth. McLaren, Norris finishing in seventh. Dr finishing in ninth. Dr was pretty racy away from the start. It has to be said. It was really really good. Yep. But these are the two teams that are in the big tussle at the moment. Because, yep. yeah, Red Bull and Ferrari, but also Red Bull's power is phenomenal. Ferrari's yep. consistency is woeful <laughs> um, in terms of performance of the car. Alpine and McLaren see, keep seem to do this. It's yep. Fernando or ne- Orlando, you know, pipping that sort of sixth, seventh yes. position. Ocon, Ricardo. I think, yeah, that they're fighting for that fourth place in the championship, really. And I think... I think the Alpine's the better car at the moment at this stage, particularly over the last, not the start. I mean, Lando got a lucky podium at the start of the year because mm. things happen, um, and he banks some very good points early on. But I don't think they're going to bank those points for the rest of the year. Mm. I don't think the car's that good. It is a seventh to tenth place car every week, and the Alpines are better. Yeah, well, and, and we've seen that. Yeah. So it's in, but it's interesting yeah, imagine, though because imagine if Danny was in that. Well, and look, oh yeah, we can all wish, but but so then my point is, Lando and Dr. Let's say they can develop a car because these upgrades this weekend compared to the performance in Austria and, and many races before that, this was a better showing for McLaren. And I wouldn't say that Le Castellet yeah. is similar to Australia where they had a good showing and then one's like, oh, it's very track specific yeah. after two rubbish first races in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. Do you think? This is a turn, a slight turning point for McLaren where they've maybe found because again, like it'll start those side pods look very Red Bullish, yeah. especially in FP1 where DR was driving the upgrades and Lando wasn't. You could see the same photo. There's some great photos, I think, on the ESPN um, Instagram channel. Go and have a look, and they show the, the cars together and go, Yeah, that looks like almost a papaya Red Bull in terms oh. of the way that those yep. side pods are starting to form. So, if that's a development, they've got time and wind tunnel, all that sort of other stuff. Yep. My point is. Potentially two drivers who can really develop a car well in Daniel and Lando. Maybe Lando's the better developer. Who knows? Is it going to flush out at the end of the year that McLaren actually having some pace? All of this nonsense talking about DR leaving and Lando being better and everything else, washing away as they, as a team, put some good performances in to then get that fourth spot back comfortably from Alpine. I think fighting, I, I hear what you're saying. I think. Fighting for fourth spot is ne- is not where either of these no. teams want to be. Mm. So if we're looking at it from this year and the disparaging the money might be $5 million. And at that level, how much they're spending, every- that's they don't care. These organizations don't care about. I mean, they do care about $5 million, but it's not where they want to be. So it doesn't really matter what happens this year. It's about next year and what happens to their pace next year. Mm. And I would suggest that McLaren's better placed being a customer team of Mercedes than Renault is at the moment, looking into the future, because I don't I don't think Renault have ever really had this turbo hybrid. Mm. They haven't been able to do what they they have done in previous generations of the sport, mm. engine wise. I mean, no one has compared to Mercedes, really, and Honda, Honda seemed to have picked it up, and Ferrari got it together. The Renault's probably – this is the first year of this turbo hybrid era where the Renault's probably the best, the the worst engine on the grid. But, yeah, do, do you know what I'm trying to say? It's it, That's the way I'd be looking at it. 
But to answer your question, Alpine's got it. This okay, year. good. <laughs> Aston Martin. <laughs> Sorry. Seb, don't be. Seb Vettel, 11th. Uh, Lance Stroll being very Lance Stroll. No Brad. Um, no dad. No Brad. Why is this race anyway? Um, in 10th. Last corner, right? Yeah. Last lap, last corner. Seb, oh, yeah, you bet he's got that apex nailed. And then Lance, I don't know what he did, brake checked him, something, almost collecting him. It was no good. I think it was clear Vettel had been given team orders because they thought Stroll had a chance at Danny Rick. He was within DRS for the sort of last five or six laps. As soon as Ocon got past DR. And I think once they realised that Stroll wasn't going to do that, it was an open slather for the two of them. All right, go for it. Unfortunately for Vettel, it was only two laps that he got a genuine crack at passing his teammate. And I can see why they did that as an organisation. Stroll did the right things throughout the race and qualifying to be in front of Vettel. Um, I don't think that's indicative of the driver that Vettel is, but four-time world champion... Driving against Lance Stroll and getting beaten, you'd be smacking yourself in the forehead going, what happened to my career? <laughs> yeah, well, Ferrari happened to his career like it happened to Fernando's career. Yeah. Um, and Rubens Barrichello and Felipe Massa's career and pretty much everyone else who's driven for Ferrari. got to remember, this is, the top, this is the second car they put out this year. Yeah. So they've only had five races in that car and it's, you know, it's – it's performing yeah, it's, marginally still better. Lear- yeah, marginally better. The 10th and 11th is... They're still learning. Yeah. But I still think, I mean, that was a real dodgy thing from Lance in the last corner. Seb had it, and, oh, and I think he knew, and that's cares. just absolutely no good. Who cares? Add it to the bin. <laughs> Al- uh, Aston Martin in the bin um, with the teleprompter. Ferrari, science finishing fifth. We mentioned this a little bit earlier. Weird, weird, full Italian strategy being all fr- uh, Ferrari. It was very bizarre. Right. Um, Can we talk about Charles? And Charles Leclerc. Now, I don't think. Yeah, go on. Hang on. Let me get my tinfoil beanie out. Right. Oh, no, I've lost less in the car. Sorry. Right. I don't think that that was a driver mistake last night. Mm. I think we heard on the radio just before what's going on with my stuck throttle, the same issue that he's had that has reared its ugly head two or three times in the last five or six races. Mm. I think he said it, oh, no throttle. And then he couldn't, like it was stuck. He had no control of it. And it was just too long that he held on for and the back end spins out. It's exactly what happens when you get a stuck throttle. Yeah, The back end eventually sticks out, puts him into a wall. And you could hear the panting and then he screamed, you know, 10 seconds after. Bit of heavy breathing going on. Reminded me of someone. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> lots of heavy breathing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's for the Discord. You're welcome, everyone. And you, I said I would do it. What? Just Charles channeling you. What? <sighs> I'm a grunter. And then, uh, and then screaming. Yeah, he was. He was, he, he was pissed. He was. He was pissed. I'm like a Viking. This is, I'm trying to move <laughs> swiftly on. He was pissed. And I feel yeah. like the, I feel like the radio button, either he didn't know the radio button was left on, whatever, because normally you don't hear that. Although I remember Max Verstappen's Silverstone radio from last year when, uh, like, just after the impact with Hamilton spinning him around in yeah. whatever that was, turn, um, that very sort of sickening stomach churning, like, noise there. He clearly was injured or winded or whatever. You've got to remember these microphones are right there for mm. these guys. 
and they're not perfectly balanced like these. We've got filters around them and they're not audio engineered, you know, with gates and they all that fun stuff and get the decibel readings. You can add some bass and some treble and some highs and mids. and uh, They're right next to it. So I think the breathing is probably what he's normally breathing at anyway. That's my You're probably like degrading someone's whole job that is their whole thing is to audio mix the driver's oh, microphone. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> so rude, Campy. No, but anyway, look, interesting. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I, look, I think it's it's right. Ferrari as a whole this weekend seems very it seemed very bizarre that that just happened to Charlotte Clerk because he said, oh, yeah, after it's like, yeah, look, I made a mistake. Well, hang on a second. That's not what it so, sounded like in the race. So why did he say that? There's a bit of finger wagging going from Mattia Bonotto again and after the race why finishing. why did Bonotto come out and say, yeah, it was driver error? Driver error. But we still love him. The conspiracies. Tin, Tell the us what tin, you think on Discord. Yeah, go on to Discord. Uh, give us your best tinfoil conspiracy beanie thought on what happened with Charlotte Clerc and that Ferrari. I remember when things happened to Vettel and Ferrari and Vettel would come out and say, I need to protect the team. Yep. That's Not anymore. all Charles needs to come out and say and we know what's happening. Yep. Uh, okay, so Mercedes, double podium. What, as I said oh. at the beginning, what is this, 2021? Uh, Russell. Third, Hamilton, second. Saw absolutely nothing of Lewis Hamilton the entire race. He was in no man's land. Okay, bye. Good luck. Have fun. Uh, and same almost for George, but there was a, towards the very end there a bit of a fight, wasn't there, with Sergio Perez of yeah. that's he turned in on me. Well, no, George, he turned into the corner. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do that. That's the point of having a corner. You didn't turn into that corner at all. Seriously. You in a straight line and hit him. Yeah. Like, anyway. he came in too shallow. Anyway, that's very, very bizarre shouting going on and, and everything yeah. else. Uh, Mercedes, though, they're hey, not back, are they? Hey, Mercedes passed a Red Bull on track. Yeah. Like, hey. Look, it's Sergio Perez, but yes. Hey, it's not. They're not. The, the Mercs aren't passing Max Verstappen in a Red Bull. That's another level. Yeah. But I think this porpoising, uh, what are the, the plank under the car, technicalities and ruling have brought Mercedes right back into this championship. Hmm. Lewis has got something to fight for. He does. I don't think they've got the pace. Yeah, I still overnight. Ten seconds he missed to max, six seconds in the first ten. That's still 16 to, say, 20 seconds over a race. But there were times when that Merck was a hell of a lot quicker. Get on a track, it's tough to pass, like a… Hungara like ring. Hungara ring. This weekend. Put it together in qualifying. Hey, that conversation we had last week, if Ferrari keep making the mistakes they're having, Mercedes will beat them in the constructors. I, don't, I think the championship's out of there, but I think Mercedes in the second half of this season are poised to probably be the most dominant car. And we're talking... Ooh. No, sorry, the second, the second. Okay, car. good. <laughs> there'll be Max Verstappen, there'll be the two Mercedes, and then there'll be Perez, in my opinion, for the second half of the season. I just think we need to sit back and go, what an organisation. The dominance they've had for seven years to be that far off this year and behind the eight ball in 11 races. Yes, they've had some luck and some technicality rules come back and what an organisation to pull it around in six months yeah, and make the gains they're making. And only 44 points behind Ferrari. That is nothing. If you had told me that after two races. Oh, no way. No way. way. Yeah. I think what what an organisation. 
Toto, they haven't missed anything. They've lost personnel. They've lost a hell of a lot of company IP about the engine and how they got it to, you know, 50% thermal efficiency and the things they did. They lost all that. Other teams copied and bought up. I'm talking 11 race weekends, which is nothing in Formula 1. It's half a season. They're back to being probably the second best car on the grid with four races now on the trot of absolute consistency. And for a double podium, I think Toto will be going right. Five weeks ago, he said, oh, no, I still think we're in this championship and I still think we can get race wins. We're all going, geez, that's a bit poor on the score. <laughs> Calm down, Toto. You know that. But, hey, look at them now, five weeks later. Hey, all credit to them. Big, cl- big kudos, claps. Big kudos claps. I'm making note of that. Uh, yeah, look, I think you're right. In, in terms of where they're at, they said that France would be strong, a strong race for them, and Toto was right. But again, all they need to do is have the consistency. Both cars finishing in top five. Yep. Ferrari, the last couple of races, uh, one of them has hap- had an issue, and they haven't both finished. So that's the big issue with Mercedes being maybe slightly down on power, but their, their consistency is there in terms of reliability. And as Lewis said, you know, I've got to praise the team for the reliability. Like, nothing's yeah. going wrong with the yeah. car. You know, we're within keeping everything within the limits in terms of what we are taking, for, no engine penalties, any of that sort of stuff in terms of replacing these parts. So yeah. I think it's interesting. Red Bull, uh, Max Verstappen finishing in first. It's a shame that Charles Leclerc couldn't continue because they did have a good scrap, yeah. um, as you said earlier on. And Sergio Perez finishing in fourth after his scrap with George Russell. Oh, what an idiot. I actually think he thought it was like a – Safety car restart. Yeah, that was very bizarre, oh, wasn't it? The VSC. Yeah. He wasn't that far in front of his Delta. Like that he had to brake and slow down that much. I actually think he thought I think he, I think he completely messed it up and thought it was a safety car restart and he was controlling the pace. Yep. Until Until George, he wasn't. Until George flew past him. Until the like, corner later. Oh you idiot. Yeah. No, I think that was very something that was going on there. Um but it's interesting now to see. I mean Sergio's had some great Confidence from Monaco. Yep. He's had some other good results through the year as well. He's and not Max Verstappen. He's though, just doing it. He's not Max Verstappen, you know, and he knows that. Dumb question. Perez is number two or Danny Rick is number one in Red Bull? Who would you – sorry, let's rephrase this. Yeah, please. As a teammate to Max Verstappen, who would you prefer, DR or Perez? DR. Yeah. It's a dumb question. Wasn't it? it was a dumb question. Sorry. No, how dare you? No, it was because they're going to bring out the best of each other where, you know, you look behind, look over your shoulder – in Azerbaijan, Max looks right over his shoulder and found that Daniel was underneath him. Uh, context. Kinky porpoising? No no more of that. Uh, well, that's it. That's our team-by-team team analysis. Team team. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening to that. A good chat. I feel like me and you, Jim, we're the smartest of our squad. Wow. Us on, uh... Good. That's not my point at all, um, everyone else who does this podcast. Uh, no, look, thanks so much for listening uh, to that. It's going to be a slightly more condensed format as we do race reviews. As I said, we're looking forward to getting – we're going to find some more segments and we'll, some new stings will come on. So if, uh, if you've got any show suggestions for segments you'd like to hear, uh, let us know. Discord server is where you can do that in the show suggestions thread. But now, Campy, fantasy team name. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. You all, right. all of, Pretty much all of you have had an absolute field day with this. It's a, quite a lengthy oh, list. Oh, really? Um, and I'm very impressed. I haven't seen, I haven't looked at any of these. I haven't looked at the notes. This is oh, that's unlike you. Uh, this is great. 156 of you in the uh, in the fantasy oh, league competition. That. Here we go. James the James's kinky porpoise, uh, Byron H. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, you're getting very sleepy, Steen N, with all those different coloured lines around the place. Warning, this track may cause seizures, Samuel R. <laughs> Plan B for barrier, Dennis O. Biden's teleprompter. <laughs> So it's a, probably lost it. Uh, Aston Martin, Lando, no oh, hope or yeah, glory. Good. Carl L, mum was a hamster and a dad smother of elderberries. Kelly W, very good. Uh, extra bonus points for Monty Python references. Uh, Charles Lacrash, Rory N, it's chowder. Say it right, Frenchie. <laughs> Josh L, very good, my man. Uh, Charles is a wannabe campy, heavy breathing. LBS, yes, very good. Thanks, blue to, mate. Blue My favourite Canadian. <laughs> Red to stop, combined for seizures. Jonathan C. I'm going to walk 500 miles of tarmac runoff. Daniel T. Um, Kinky Popsing is in here a couple of times. I just did a really bad use of the English language by me last time. Hashtag bring back Brundle. Yeah, Jane W. I agree. Yeah. Ferrari running around like a headless chook. No, uh, Michael S. Plan E for escape. Nathan D. Explode. Zach Brown's IndyCar Empire. Matt J. Yeah. What are McLaren playing at? Dylan C. Good question. Campy wears a beret for his favorite GP, Nicholas H. <laughs> no. And the retirement uh, constructor award is going to Ferrari. Haley H. Very, very good. Very good. Top three. Uh, first is James's Kinky Porpoise. <laughs> Byron H from Australia, 2,348 points. Second, Yuki Cookie, Ken T from the USA on 2,312 points. And third, Leclerc goes off like a frog in a sock. Trent K from Australia on 2,311 points. That is a lot further up than the five of us. Munnis is first out of the five of us in 14th. Tommy T is... Second, you do have a team. Bollocks. In 55th, well, there's someone else with your name then. Uh, third is me in 83rd. Freya is fourth in with 131st. You've got team one. Seriously? Thomas C is what it's listed. It might not be you, but it, whoever it is is 151st. It's well way down the very bottom. Way down the very bottom. Love that. Uh, well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, we'll be having a little break after our Hungarian Grand Prix review episode, which is next week. The Hungarian Grand Prix coming up is happening this week, and it's uh, one of our favorite tracks as we go into the summer break. It's very, very good. Uh, And then we'll be launching into three episodes per week. Don't forget, you can support the show by grabbing some merchandise. Or you can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That that all helps too. Leave one, some reviews. Leave some reviews, good. some ratings if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts as well. And one thing I will leave you with is a, a slight change to the podcast as well is that we may be having some advertising coming on board. So just... just but it won't be crap advertising that insert ad here. Well, you don't it know yet. It will be <laughs> me thing. absolutely taking the piss out of this organisation. Great. And then never getting sponsored again <laughs> well, by anyone. That's what it's about, really. Uh, anyway, so but to fund what will change into three podcasts a week, studio yep. and everything else. Uh, we want to give you a heads up now before you start hearing that, but there will be ways of figuring out when the ads are coming and how to double tap a certain button that fast forwards we you to figure get out the ad how to make it fun and that's going to happen. Engaging. It's not. It's we're not. We're not being sponsored by Little or Manscaped. I can tell you that. <laughs> so no crossover with boxing. No, 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 no. Anyway, it's time to end. Thank you so much for listening. Jeez. We'll see you in a week's time for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Jumper. Oh, I don't know where they are. What? No, they're not. <laughs> I guarantee if we went home right now, they're going to be hanging up in your wardrobe. <laughs> you sort it out, mate. Jeez. They're going to be sponsored by our Williams if you can't remember to bring seriously. your stuff. Wow.